Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Baseball Together podcast, baseball family. For those of you new to the show, we are here to raise money for the nonprofit organization Called Up, whose mission is to give disadvantaged young ballplayers the equipment they need to play the game we all love. We also want to unite communities by improving or rebuilding baseball facilities in areas suffering economic or environmental hardship. At this time, you can support by purchasing t-shirts and other baseball-related apparel and accessories from 9plusus.com. 10% of all these sales go to the cause. Again, that's 9plusus.com. The number 9, P-L-U-S-U-S dot com. 9plusus.com. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Baseball Together podcast brought to you by 9plusus. Welcome to the Baseball Together podcast, baseball family. We are super excited to be here today. I am Brig, and as usual, I got Brad here with me. That's right. I'm here and excited to be here. Today, we're going to talk about Chris Bryant's grievance. We're going to get into some Venezuelan base brawling, and then we're going to talk about sign stealing. And more sign stealing. And then some sign stealing. So stay tuned. So much sign stealing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brad, tell us about Chris Bryant. You have a lot of information about this, and uh, he's kind of upset, I think. And I feel like he has every right to be upset. So this is what's going on. He's filed a grievance via his agent, our hero, Scott Boris. Oh, uh, Scotty B. It says a lot about what's going on here. Okay. You ready for this? Sure does. So what we had happen is Chris Bryant made his major league debut uh, in 2015 on April 17th. Okay, so the way major league contracts work, because players get sent up and down before they actually become like a regular on the roster, right? Major league yeah. baseball does what's called service time. Okay, so. What is service time, Brig? That's a good question. Tell us. So service time <laughs> is exactly what it sounds like. It's the number of days in a year, or number of years and days that you've been on an MLB roster. So this I'm reading this right now on Fangraphs.com. It says there are usually about 183 days in an MLB season, but a player can only earn a maximum of 172 days per year. So there's right kind of an 11-day grace period for teams there. that If they call up their star within the first 11 days he still gets a whole year um like in that rookie contract that'll be his first official year on his rookie contract if he gets 172 days or more okay chris bryant right. like i said made his debut on april 17th 2007 2015 you ready for the day that the uh the cubbies started that season <laughs> yes april 5th so, that is, he got called up 12 days into the season. He was only able to accrue a maximum of, maximum of 171 days. Why is this important, you ask? Let me tell you why this is important, Brig. <laughs> <laughs> if he had gotten 172 days in that season, that would have been, like I said, his first official season in the big leagues, his first full season in the big leagues. And then he would be, become a free agent sooner. Instead, yeah. by doing that, they tacked on an extra year of his rookie contract. So instead of becoming a free agent in 2021, he's going to be an agent, a free agent in 2022. So he filed a grievance, like I said, with his agent, Scott Boris, to Major League Baseball saying that the Cubs were manipulating his service time. Well, they were. They were, exactly. If it walks <laughs> like a duck, right? I mean, it's very clear <laughs> right. that they were. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but what I saw is that they're saying that he's going to lose. He's going to lose this grievance. So he's not going to be a free agent until 2022. I believe that's true. That he's going to lose yep, the I grievance? that's true. Yeah, I think he will lose. Now, I didn't say that. I thought that was the right decision. I just think that's what will happen. Okay? Everybody leave me alone. But <laughs> I think... I was like, wait I a second. 
no, I think that's true. I think that he will lose, but I think this will be another situation where we need to, another thing we're going to talk about in the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, I think I think service time is going to be a big thing with the CBA as we as it yep. comes up because it it's it's pretty messed up. Okay, so you showed me Samson's podcast today. Yes, David Samson and is nothing personal for anybody who's interested. Go listen yeah, to it after it this was, podcast. He explained a little bit of his theory on what's going on with the collective bargaining agreement in the situation. And I think that Major League Baseball's decision to deny him his claim, right, to to shut down his grievance uh-huh. is going to is just more posturing, right? It's more it's more pieces on the board, if you will, of mm-hmm. evidence to say, yeah, this is why we have to see. See, one of our star third basemen, okay, is is super angry, right? Yeah. And he's yeah. using his influence with his fans to level that grievance on a social scale. So we can't have that, right? We don't want an upset fan base because of one upset player. How many thousands of fans are going to be upset now? See, don't we need to d- to address this situation? So mm-hmm. I think both sides, the players and uh, Major League Baseball, are going to use this to their advantage. I don't know exactly how, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, and it, it it's tricky, right? Because you don't necessarily know how they're going to use it. But on the same time, you know, I could see the Players Association saying, here is a player who could have cashed in and gotten a bigger paycheck a year earlier if his if his time hadn't been manipulated you say it wasn't yeah. but he was a day short when he was clearly ready to come up on opening day right oh yeah for sure and nobody there to fill his slot that was better oh yeah for sure i mean he was the rookie of the year he finished yeah. 11th in the mvp race and was an all-star as a rookie and then he won the mvp yeah. his second season like there's nobody on that roster who's going to be better than him nope but then i could see the like the owners saying well, you know, but this allows us to have more salary ca- or salary flexibility because we don't want to go into the luxury tax and we'll have more money to spend on other players if we still have him on his rookie contract, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I can see right. where both sides would come from this. But at the same time, like, there's got to be some way that if you bring up a guy and he only gets 171 days of service in his first season, you got to be able to round up or something. I don't know. But then maybe they would have kept him... <laughs> Maybe they would have kept him down there longer and said, "Well, you're not coming up till August." So, right, and yeah, you know, know what? It because of the way it's set up, the player's going to lose this every time, and it doesn't matter where Major League Baseball draws a line in the sand, and it doesn't matter how many pickets Major League Baseball or the Players Association rather decides to throw up. This is going to be in control of the decision maker every time, right? Yeah. Chris Bryant was a Triple A ball player working desperately to get up to the major leagues. He was his contract was owned by the Chicago Cubs. They make the decision. It's always going to be that way. Yeah. Yep. So and, I f- I feel like he should be upset, but again like what are you going to do? Yeah, and and there are players who win grievances for one reason or another. Sure. But unfortunately yeah. he's not going to win this one and nothing's going to change for now as far as that goes. And it and I don't think this is a situation where well that's just the way it's always been is going to be used. I think that's true. Well, that's just the way it's always been. That's the way we do things, right? Mm-hmm. That's the nature of baseball right now and has been for a long time. But I don't think, like, even though that's not good enough, that's not all the full story either, you know? Yeah, well, and we've seen it since then, too. I mean, we saw it with Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, we, it may have been the case with Bo Bichette. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah. Because he got called up that. pretty quick after, so... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's kind of a bummer these guys have to deal with that. But like we said, hopefully we'll see something in the CBA. So, Brad, did you see this thing that happened in Venezuela with the catcher and the the guy at the plate swinging his bat at him? Yeah, I, <laughs> I posted that video on the on the group. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I couldn't believe that, first off. <laughs> like, that actually happened. I remember we used to yeah. joke about that in high school, be like, Oh, you have one bullet in the ball, but I can bring a whole army with me to the mound if I want. It's like, yeah, but nobody ever would. And he did. He, he took did, out his man. whole army on the catcher. Well, the dude is in a crouched position behind him. So, okay, for those of you that don't know what's going on, we got baseball, the professional baseball league in Venezuela, whatever it's called, I guess is known for 
it's uh, sort of blurred lines on on these old school baseball rules and sort of what's okay and what's not okay. <laughs> and and the point is, this guy gets up to the plate and gets hit by a pitch, and instead of throwing his bat down or approaching the mound or any of that, he turns around, bat in hand, and takes two swings at the catcher. Shocking. And let's put this into a little bit more perspective here. The batter's name was Alex Romero. Yeah, He had, as they say, a cup of coffee with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So he's been in the right, big leagues right, before. Right. He yeah. should know better than this. Oh, for sure. This is, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, ridiculous. But maybe his attitude is why he's not in the big leagues anymore. Maybe I don't know. it could be, yeah. But, Brig, why? <laughs> I, I don't understand this. You're a little... You're more into the psychology side of things than I am. I feel like, why, wh- why does stuff like that happen in Venezuela? Like, not you know, I'm not saying that there's always a catcher that's getting beaten with a bat, but like you said, the the lines are kind of blurry in Venezuela. Right. What, what do you think it is about Venezuela that makes that kind of stuff happen? Well, okay, I've been thinking a lot about that. That's an interesting question. And for those of you listening, Brad did not prep me for that question, <laughs> but I think. I think what's going on is that for years now, Venezuela has been chaotic. Right. It's, everything about its environment is is unstable right now, and it has been for a while. So I think that the environment plays a huge role. It's And this guy's from Venezuela, if I remember mm-hmm. right, the Romero. Yeah. So he, he grew up in this environment where it was kind of doggy dog you know and and he's worked his way up to the big leagues and then and then he got left behind by major league baseball and he's back down in venezuela and you know maybe that's where his career ends i don't know but so i think that a couple things are going on first of all he's angry maybe with baseball i don't Mm -hmm. know second of all um he maybe has some behavioral problems attitude problems or whatever that that caused that separation and then he he's living in an environment and is playing now in an environment where chaos reigns supreme. Like like we know that players that go down to Venezuela and even other places, it's not always Venezuela, but they got to have security details with them and they they get, you know, they have to live really small and tight. They don't go out much or they end up like David Ortiz, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that I think it's environmental as much as it is anything. I totally agree with you. I think that's really what it is. It's it's, it's environmental, and like you said, it's very unstable, doggy dog down there. And it's just kind of the mentality that you have, you kind of have. Like Major League Baseball, I can't remember if they actually went through with it, or I remember they were talking about it going into the off season that they weren't going to let players go down to Venezuela and play this year. Yeah, that that's a pretty common place for guys to go. Like you, you know, because yeah. you can play during the winter time and work on whatever, get your reps in. Uh, but Major yep. League Baseball said, no, not this year. It's, it's not happening. Yeah, I don't know if they I don't know if they pulled the trigger on that. I, I do know. I know it was talked about, but. Yeah. But I think that's that's the big reason why it's so unstable. And, and there have been players who have been kidnapped, and they've had family members kidnapped. Um, if you yeah. read or listen to the book Bloodsport, you'll hear some crazy stuff about that. Oh, yeah. We're so, going to talk about Bloodsport. Yes, we will. Yep. So, next question for you, and this is a question I did not prepare Brad for. Um, I want to know, without sabermetrics or any of these advanced statistics, does Mike Trout get the same amount of public support that he has right now? Uh, Yes. And do you want to know why? Yes. We have eyes. Because we can watch him. I mean, you, you see what he does. Oh, yeah, I see it. You know, that... As a Seattle fan, I hate when the Angels come <laughs> to Seattle because I'm like, Mike Trout's going to hit one home run every game because that's what he does. Typically, yep. it's in the first inning, especially if it's Felix Hernandez, it's out the first pitch. Ugh. But yeah, he hits a home that's run painful. to Sturdy Center every single time he goes to Seattle. Yeah. Because that's that's what he can do. And if it's not a home run, he's getting at least a double or two. He hits very well at Seattle. And I don't think that's an outlier. He does that across the league. So he's one of those guys like he's a freak defensively. Balls do not drop out there, and he's not a, he's not stealing bases like he used to. 
But I think that's sure. just a, yeah. I think it's a business decision, you know, because he could easily yeah. be a forty forty guy, and he could easily hit more home runs than he does, even though he hit forty plus this year. I think he could hit could hit more home runs if he wasn't hitting for trying to hit for average and hit more doubles. So I th- I think he would be. I, I mean, we had Griffey was the best player in the game when he played, right in his yeah. prime, and we didn't have the yep. advanced stats, we didn't have the sabermetrics, and it was because we had eyes. We could see that he struck fear into pitchers and. There was nothing falling in the outfield, you know, that he was getting to everything. Now what now hold on though, because when Griffey played, we had a guy with a larger than life personality. You know, we had a guy who was willing to step outside his role on the field and be a mouthpiece and be a figurehead and be the brand, you know, build his right. own brand on top of the brand he was already being a part of. So yeah. we yeah. don't have that with Mike Trout. No, we don't. But I do feel like his his play on the field does enough. And I don't know if Griffey would have done all that stuff if he hadn't established himself as the best player in the game before that. Now yeah, maybe that's true. You know, that I feel like guys realize, well, I have this platform because I've built it for myself. I need to use it. And, you know, not everybody does. Michael Jordan always said Republicans buy shoes too, so he kept his mouth shut. But <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, but, no, Griffey, I feel like everything he did was when he had clout as a, as a star. You know, he wasn't coming in... I mean, he was a highly touted prospect as it was. He was the number one overall pick. He came in. The Mariners tried right. to keep him in the minor leagues for another year, but they couldn't because they were like, he's way too good. We have to bring him up now. So he didn't do anything as far as public and social justice, anything, because he's the one who's responsible for Jackie Robinson Day. He didn't do that as a rookie. Right. Right. He, he had to, he established a rapport within the league with the fans, with everybody before he went and did anything like that. But I think right. Mike Trout, if he wanted to, he could. And we, it doesn't take sabermetrics to do that because, like I said, we can see what he does and the effect that he has on every single game he plays in. So the reason I asked this question is because I saw a statistic that in the last decade, he has the highest war, wins above replacement, out of anybody. And not just is it higher, but it's 23.4 points higher no, excuse me, it's 20.4 points higher than the next guy on the list, and that's Buster Posey, which Buster Posey, you know, is a perennial winner. The guy, everybody yeah. knows his name, and he, so Mike Trout's war over the last decade was 73.4, which is insanity. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and Buster Posey's at 53.0. So I just, I just, I sat there and I thought, okay, without advanced statistics and without war and you know without that label and the community that rallies around it I wonder if Mike Trout would be getting as much publicity as he is and maybe he would maybe he wouldn't I just thought it was an interesting topic it is an interesting topic and and looking at that it makes me think the Buster Posey deserves more than he gets yep he's terribly underrated he is and and you know at one point he was the best catcher in the game um yeah arguably still could be he's only 32 um yeah and i've i've always been a huge fan of him because he's a catcher right but right part of you, his problem you watch catchers close yes part of his problem is that he misses games though like it, which you know you mm-hmm. expected the catcher like he had that year he broke his leg now we had the buster posey rule so that that might be his legacy but sure. it should be three world series championships and um just being an all-around i mean he's gonna be a hall of famer he's got to be right Oh, I mean, that's the question. If the new bar is Mike Trout, then... Then nobody else is getting in. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's true. Okay, you're right. We might have to leave it at that. <laughs> Mike Trout is the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's an inner circle. I've said, he's like... He's this top guy. level, top level, top shelf. Top shelf top Hall of Fame. Top shelf. That's a Texas size 10-4. So moving on, um, last thing we're going to talk about is Major League Baseball has begun toying with anti-sign-stealing technology that they're going to put on the field during games. And both of us did a little research on this to figure out this is exactly what in the world this is supposed to look like. But just to give you listeners at home an idea, and I know, I know, if you're anything like me, you're rolling your eyes already, like the sentence <laughs> I uttered. 
made you made you gasp in horror and i hope that your commute didn't end tragically because of your reaction but listen i'm <laughs> <it's> your, no <laughs> don't you mess with this but so <laughs> so what they're talking about doing is using technology to beat technology basically right is is yeah. going going full tech to beat these low tech and high tech science stealing techniques um now brad they've talked about light signals uh, that only the defense can see they've talked about uh actual like a fob almost like a mm-hmm. like a device that spits out a number combination that guys holding their f- pockets or whatever um what what are your thoughts on using tech to defeat sign stealing it's all just so complicated like I was reading that article. I think I sent it to you. I can't remember where yeah. he was talking about. Like, oh, these are all these are all possibilities. You know that we could we could use like a keypad and like you said the fob and lights. It's like, yeah. If they can't like pitchers and catchers get crossed up right now anyway with oh yeah you know I guess you can now call them the primitive signs. But <laughs> with lights flashing, what if a guy blinks? What if he misses it? I don't know. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It that seems way too complicated. Maybe just make your signs more complex. Well, they're already heavily complex. They and are. It depends on yeah. the inning and the situation and the guy at the plate and, and the, which way the wind is blowing behind you. Yeah. <laughs> whether the flags are blowing out left, in. so we're gonna go third sign indicator. <laughs> That's what we're going with tonight. Yeah, we're gonna swipe up to add one. We're gonna swipe <laughs> down to add minus one. Been Plus, there. I blinked yeah. three times, <laughs> so don't screw that up. Anyway, um, and what if these things? What if the battery dies on the fob? Oh or man! What if you? What if you slide in to to tag somebody? Right? You make a diving catch and you break the thing. I don't know. I think it's stupid. Yeah, it's it's, it's too ridiculous. complicated. Um, we mentioned a little bit earlier about David Sampson. He he, like I've said before, he was the president of the Marlins. He was on the competition committee. And he said that they've pitched before, no pun intended, ah. um, using earpieces like what they use in the NFL. You know, they had the right, court, right. quarterbacks yeah. had, the, had the earpieces. But I guess pitchers complained about it being uncomfortable, which, you know, that's a position you've got to be comfortable in. But catchers could yeah. easily, you know, just put it in their helmet like they do in, in the NFL. I wonder if there's, like, a, a way you could put a microphone on top, like, in your hat. And then, or, like, a speaker in uh. your hat. And then it like transfers because I know that, but I know that like you can have sound travel through your skull and you can hear it. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, through your bone bone conduction. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, bone conduction. Yeah, and I wonder if they could do that with a microphone that's placed in their hat. That they do, oh. or sorry, I keep saying microphone. I mean speaker, so they yeah, can yeah. so that they can do bone conduction, and then hear it that way. I don't know. Pretty fancy, Brad. Yeah. It is pretty fancy, but it's also not nearly as complex as blinking lights and key fobs. And <laughs> Here's my issue with it, okay? Sign stealing has always been a part of baseball. And if you have a runner on second who's been paying attention the whole, you know, for four or five innings, and a guy's tipping his pitches, or, you know, the catcher's giving away the sign, why remove the possibility of that from the game? That is mm-hmm. absurd to me. And by doing these measures, you you will remove that entire dynamic, and that is wrong, in my opinion. I totally agree, and yeah, I think it's as much of a part of baseball as sunflower seeds. Um, and I yeah. and I can share my my experience of sign stealing when we get to it, but but it it adds another level of complexity to the game, and it's fun. But. Let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll get more yeah. into science stealing. We'll talk about with the Red Sox, the the Astros, and just kind of how it's rampant in Major League Baseball. And let's take a break. We'll come back. Hey, babe, I'm headed to concessions. Do you want me to grab you something? Yeah, anything, whatever you're getting. Okay, I saw a burger. I'll probably grab that. Mm, no, that doesn't sound good. Okay, I think there's barbecue, probably some nachos. Uh, I don't think I want either of those either. Um... But just get me anything. What do you want? Uh, I saw a hot dog earlier. Okay, I can do that. Well, no. Couples may quarrel, but baseball is for lovers. Shop the Lovers Collection at 9plusus.com. 
Okay, quick. We had a member of the 9 Plus S VIP group posted. It was me. <laughs> I'm a member of the 9 Plus S VIP group. Posted some MLB statistics for last decade, okay? Decade in review stuff still. And these are the rarest things to see in a single game that, that, that you know, possible in baseball. And we had a number of them happen in the 2010s. We had three, four home run games, five perfect games, 39 hits for the cycle, 40 no-nos, 40 no-hitters, and one 20K game. So, member of the group, Jordo Matic, Mr. J-Man, he asked us for an educational opportunity. He wants to know what is a 20K game and what is a cycle. So, Brad and I thought about it, and we decided what we would do is explain these things, kind of get into some of the history because I think context is going to help illustrate how remarkable these numbers really are. That's right. I agree. So let's get into it. Brad, why don't you tell us about a 20K game? Okay, so a 20K game, that's just a 20 strikeout game. For anybody who isn't familiar with uh, scorekeeping or really, I guess, some of the lingo of baseball, a K is a strikeout. And that comes from the scorekeeping. Just like if you've ever seen somebody with a book or a notepad with all the little squares on it, they're they're just they're keeping score. A lot of fans like to do it in the stands. It keeps them engaged. Um, yeah. I used to do it as a kid when I would watch games just because it was fun. I wanted to learn how to do it, um, and I was a dork, so I did it. Um, yeah, and it actually came in handy because when when I was injured on my high school team, that's what I did. Was I I kept score in the dugout when I was hurt, so it gave me nice. something to do. Um, so yeah, a K it just comes from the K and strikeout because um, you can't do S for single. So they just, somebody back in like the early 1900s, I think it was a journalist, put K in his notebook for strikeout, and it stuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, And to get a little bit deeper into that, if you see a backwards K, that's strikeout looking. Uh, Forward K is strikeout swinging. So that's the way they do that in the book. So a 20K game is a 20 strikeout game. And this has only happened, um, what, five times in the history of Major League Baseball? And the the fifth time was... On May 11th, 2016, in a three to, three to two win uh, for the Nationals against the Detroit Tigers, and of course, wouldn't you know it? It was Max Scherzer. Of course, it was. <laughs> of right? Course, of course, it was. <laughs> Who else yeah. would you expect to have a 20K game in 2016? So maybe Justin Verlander, but yeah, he's about the only other one. Yeah, but those are those are really the only two guys, the workhorses, the guys who are going to strike out a lot of guys. Uh, who are gonna who are gonna accomplish that? But some of the others that we've had, let's go way way back. We're gonna go way back to 1962. Tom Chaney did it against the Baltimore Orioles. He was playing for playing for the Senators and to beat the Orioles in a two to one game. And this is the thing too about these is they're typically going to be close games, right? Yeah, of course, because you're gonna keep your starter in and. Uh, and typically when 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 you've got a strikeout pitcher his offense doesn't produce much because everybody's kind of standing around yeah so by the time they get up to bat everybody's kind of asleep yep so that that's something you actually see a lot it's not uncommon what i find really interesting about the statistics around a 20k game is they'll tell you the pitcher's name but they don't really care who he played for but then they're really eager to tell you who they did it against, <laughs> which team. Yeah. It's, it's like, true. Yeah. Max Scherzer did it against the Detroit Tigers on this day. Yeah. But they don't tell you necessarily who he played for because it's not about that at that point, which I think is really an interesting cultural thing about baseball. Well, yeah, at that point, it's it's a one-man show, right? I mean, you've got, you've got the catcher, so you've got your battery, so it's a two-man show because right. the catcher's got to call the game. And, of course, me, I'm going to give the give some uh, credit to the catcher on that. You would, but. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the just to put this into context, the most previous, like the last time this happened prior to this one in 2016 was Randy Johnson, and that was in 2001. So. Yep. That's how long it has been since we've seen a 20K game. That's right. That's a long time. Yeah. Well, and and Brig, there's only one guy who's done it twice. Yeah, there is. And, I mean, you kind of expect it. It's uh, Roger Clemens. He did it once in 1986 against the Mariners. Did it once in 1996 against the Tigers. Yep. Um, both times playing for the Red Sox. 
Um, I, I feel like that was really his heyday, you know, with yeah. striking guys out. After that, he just got mean. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> but looking at this list, there's one that I actually specifically remember. Yeah. It was 1998 with Kerry Wood against the Astros. Oh, everybody remembers that. Yeah, that was that was something else. I remember waking up the next morning watching that on SportsCenter, and it was all over the place. It was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. Let's move on to hitting for just a minute really quick. We have okay. uh, the the question Jordan posed was, what is a cycle? And the the full term is hit for the cycle hyphenated, but that's you know Nazi. Here's the deal: a cycle means <laughs> a, a cycle means that a single player hit a single, a double, a triple, and a home run all in a single game, mm-hmm. all in one game. That's what a cycle is. Now we saw 39 cycles in the 2010s. Okay, Brad. Guess how many cycles there have been recorded in the history of baseball? Oh, man, like a 1,000? I don't know. Um, well, first of all, I'm which sure do you think a... is more rare, the cycle or the no-hitter? I'm going to say the no-hitter is more rare. That'd be correct. Yeah, because no especially like I want to say the 2016, 2017 seasons, there was like probably seven or eight guys who hit for the cycle each season. Okay, so like that. So if the no no is more rare at three hundred three ever, then what do you think we've mm. got? How many how many cycles have there been recorded in the history of baseball? Um four ten. Ooh. Three thirty. That was a good guess. Oh man. Three thirty. Now it's interesting how that's reflected with forty no hitters and thirty nine cycles in the previous decade. So we'll see if that yeah. continues to trend the uh, opposite direction. But so if you take 39, per, 39 out of 330, that's 8.5% of all cycles have been hit this last decade. Okay? Which is, again, commensurate, right? It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last guy to do it was Kevin Biggio, yep. September 17th, right. 2019. Yeah. Now, a rookie. <laughs> a rookie. A rookie. Now, do you know what's remarkable about that? Tell me. Other than it was a cycle, which is remarkable. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's the thing is as common, quote unquote, common as it is, uh, it's it's still really cool and still a big deal when they do it because that's awesome. Yeah. Going four it, for four in a game is hard, much less getting a single double, triple, and a home run. That's something yep. else. And then to do it as a rookie. And then let's take it one step further and make him the second ever father-son duo to record a cycle. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, is his that dad cool? Did it. Craig Biggio, yeah, the Astros. Craig Biggio did it in 2002, and his son did it in 2019. Is that cool or what? That's fantastic. That is super cool. Yeah. Okay, so only one guy has hit for the cycle in a postseason game ever. Oh man, I'm not gonna make I you fold. guess. Okay, I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was actually recent. It was 2018. Brock Holt did it for the Red Sox in 2018. Oh, I do remember that now that you mention it. Yeah, and I didn't know yeah, that because he had I was doing a the research. crazy postseason that year. He did. He really did. And you haven't heard his name since. Nope. But that's none of my business. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, that's that's a huge deal, hitting for the cycle. Um, and then let's cover four-home run game. I think that speaks for itself. Everybody knows what the four-home oh, run game is. Oh, hold on. Let's is. go back to cycle real quick. Let's go oh, back okay. to cycle okay. real quick. All right, okay. So while we're, t- while we're talking about cycles, Brig, do you know what a home run cycle is? A ho- no, I don't know what that is. So a home run cycle is a solo home run, a two-run home run, a three-run home run, and a grand slam in a single game. Get out. Now, no, that's not even. That, tell me, that's never happened. Has it ever happened in professional baseball? No, absolutely not. The war, the sky okay. would have fallen. Okay, so it has never happened in Major League Baseball. Is that true? It's never happened in Major League Baseball. Okay. That's true. Okay, Andrew okay. McCutcheon was the closest one to ever do it with a uh, with a solo home run in the first, a two run in the fourth, and a three run in the sixth, but Holy he could God. not get the grand salami. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? He did that. He got he got the first three, but he couldn't finish it off with a grand slam. 
That and he he did insane. it in order too. One, two, three. That's that was crazy. That's I didn't know. Okay, first of all, I didn't know this existed. Second of all, I didn't know anybody had ever gotten this close to it. That's crazy. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Okay, okay, but it has happened in minor league baseball. No way. In 1998, in a AA game by a guy named Tyrone Horn. Ever heard of him? No. No, me neither. <laughs> Ain't that the Have way. a day, Tyrone Horn, and then take pack your bags and go home. Like that. <laughs> I, that's pretty much what happened there. <laughs> wow. Well, the minor league system where nobody knows your name. That's right, yep. Which is a great book, by the way. Okay, however, so it... it it's happened in professional baseball one time, but it did happen this last decade, and it happened this last year, in fact, in college softball. College softball? College softball. Awesome. So, for the Arkansas Razorbacks, a sophomore named Danielle Gibson, she did it in four innings. Shut up. So, like, that's the I'm not trying. I'm not going to take anything away. Like, it's college, but you still yeah. got to hit four home runs in a game. Yeah, That's and with else. the perfect scenario. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come up with what you need, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's like playing, that's like getting four straight hands in poker. Exactly what you need. Wow. So yeah, dude, thank you for enlightening me. I didn't know that was even a thing. That's cool. Yeah. So now, uh, now for a four home run game, that's what you have to shoot for. Wow. Speaking of four home run games. How many have there been in the history of Major League Baseball? Not very many. I do know that. Yeah, it is um, a low number. <laughs> is it less than 10? Well, there was three in the last decade. Yeah, I want to say there's like eight or nine is all. Nope. It's more than that. It's 18. 18. There have been hmm. 18, and we saw three of them. In the last decade. And we shouldn't really be surprised by that. No, I am not surprised by it at all. But I was really surprised when Scooter Jeanette did it. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. <laughs> they, I like, first off, I like that guy. And second, oh, I'm yeah. not really surprised that he did it. I am? Are you kidding me? That guy. <laughs> they asked him in the post-game interview. They're like, wow, what do you think? You're a power hitter now. How does that feel? He's like, I'm not a power hitter. <laughs> I'm not. Don't call me that. I'm not a power hitter. <laughs> but it seems like it's that's the guy. That's the kind of guy who's gonna do it, right? Yeah. Like I remember. Um, oh man, it had to have been like 2002, 2003, something like that. Mike Cameron hit three home runs in his first three at bats against the White Sox. He was playing for the Mariners at the time. Oh. And he, ju- I'm not kidding you, man. He just missed that fourth home run. He hit. I think he hit two more balls at the track that game, and. Yeah. Uh, and they were talking about it and everything. And he was a guy, he was probably like a, a 20, low 20s home run guy, I think. Yeah, yeah. And he had three of them that three of them that game. So wow. I don't feel like it's a 45, 50 home run guy who's going to be doing it. I, I don't know why, probably because those guys strike out so much. But they that's do. just that's the way I see it. Interesting, yeah. So there you go, Jordan. I hope that was illuminating and gave you some insight into baseball a little bit more. Some of the context I think is helpful. And this was fun. It was fun to research this, and it was fun to get into it, uh, explaining it a little better. And I hope it helped more than, more than just us. Yeah, I I hope so too. And I'd actually kind of like to get to, get into more of this stuff as far as like uh, the lingo, the terminology, um, some statistical stuff. Like we talk about war a lot, and it's an incredibly complex uh, statistic. But I'd I'd like to get into that sometime we because. Need to. All of this advanced stats stuff has really changed the way that we look at the game and the way we look at players. Like like we talked about, would Mike Trout be? Well, w- would he be as celebrated? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Good questions. Yeah, so I think we'll get into a lot more of this stuff as we continue, especially as we go through the as the as we go through the off season here. Yeah, this is a great great idea. All right, we'll take a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll jump back on. The designated hitter, the infield fly, a ground rule double, the dropped third strike. To some, these seem like strange things. To you, these are just baseball things. Shop the Baseball Things collection at 9plusus.com.
Welcome back from the Short Break Baseball family. So we have something that we talked about a little bit before the break that we kind of want to get into a little bit more in depth and bring in some new information we've had this week with sign stealing. Ooh, yeah. So we, so Brig, that week that I was, I was out because I was sick, you talked with one of your buddies about the Astros and stealing signs. Well, turns out the Red Sox have been stealing signs, which we knew because there was something with the Apple Watch, right? Yeah, um, of course. But it turns out now they've been using their video replay room to steal signs. Um, <laughs> here's my big takeaway with both of these things. So people say, and this is a valid point, that you can steal the signs and tell the batter what's coming, but he's still got to hit it. That's valid. Right? To a certain that, degree. Yeah. yeah, that it maybe it doesn't create a real big advantage. Well, let's look at this for just a second. The Astros... In 2017, when they were accused of stealing signs, won the World Series, were the best offensive team in baseball. By far. By far. 2018, when the Red Sox, turns out, were stealing signs using their video replay room. Best team, best offensive team in baseball, won the World Series. Yep. So it seems like there is a correlation, right? With Well, you, you'd think that. Yeah, but if if you're stealing if you're stealing signs, it seems like there's a correlation with better offensive output because you know even if it's like fastball versus off speed, you have an advantage, right? Absolutely. If you have that if you have that knowledge, sure. Yeah. Because here's here's one of my first experiences with science, with sign stealing. So when I was in high school, we went up to I was, grew up in the Portland, Oregon area and we went up to somewhere around Seattle to play this team. We played a doubleheader over spring break. Um, the coach was giving signs to the catcher, which we, we didn't do that. We didn't do that just for this reason. The coach was, was giving signs to the catcher, you know, doing nose, forehead, chin, whatever, you know. Yeah. One of the guys on the team figured it out. He figured out the signals. And so we had a system where the guys in the dugout, they would say either your number like, they would shout to you at the plate. They would shout your number if it was off speed or say your name if it was a fastball. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have a trash can. We weren't banging a trash can or anything. But we had a vocal a vocal relay that we had. Eventually, the coach figured it out. They changed the signals, and then we figured it out again. So it, it went on through the whole game. <laughs> but, I mean, in high school, it's... You know, you're figuring it out and doing things like that. That we had a way that we could relay that message to the batter without saying, hey, it's off speed, you know. He's sitting yeah, up outside, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like if you're stealing signs without, because it's specifically written in the Major League Bylaws, that you cannot use electric electronic means to steal signs. Right. If you're doing it the old-fashioned way, I don't see a problem with it. Me neither. Never have. Yeah, like, I don't, I just don't know. And and the thing is with that is that you're not going to be able to gain that advantage every game. But if you're using electronic means, you're going to be able to gain that advantage every game. Am I right? Well, well, I don't know about every game, but you'll certainly be quick. It'll be easier. You'll be more quick on the uptake or whatever. You know, it's an unfair advantage from start to finish. It is, and especially when you see a team three days in a row like you do in baseball. Right, exactly. By, by the time you get to that third game, for sure, you're going to have you're gonna have stuff figured out. Well, and you maybe have one catcher rotation in a three- or four-game series. Right. Yeah, like you might have – yeah, you might have the, the, the backup catcher catch the third game like on a, like on a Sunday, like on the getaway yeah, day, right? But that's right? it. Yeah. Right, it depends on the stakes and all that, but yeah. It's not, it's not common that they'll change the catcher. So, and I know that every pitcher has their own set of signs. Obviously, right? It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't always come down to the catcher, but oftentimes they are the common denominator. Well, and it's it's really it's pretty, it's pretty sim like similar across the board. Like everybody right. knows, one is fastball, two is curveball. Three might be slider, change up four is either slider or change up depending on what you do. You know, if you've got that many pitches, some guys only have two or three. Yeah. You know, and, and it's pretty universal across the board as far as one, I feel like is always fastball, the old number one, right? Yeah. And like they say on, on Bull Durham, you know, the, 
Nuke wants to throw his throw his curveball. No, no, give me the deuce. I want to throw the deuce. Yeah, I want to throw you the know? deuce. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty universal too. It's the thing that that they do to mix those up is like we said with indicators and you know like based on yeah you know if when I put when I put down a four, then it'll be the next sign after that something like that you know yeah so exactly yeah oh, and. And the other thing too is if if they're not relaying signs from the dugout, the only time you can really steal signs is on second base. Yeah, if you're not using that's electronic exactly means. Right. So you've got to earn your way to that position to be able to steal signs because what we used to do, here's another thing we used to do in high school. It was my like my coach, I think I talked about this before. My coach worked out a system it was like the second day of practice, like team practice after cuts. He'd say, Okay, if you're on second base, if you're on second base and you're stealing signs Put your left, when you go to step off second base, put your left foot in front of your right foot if it's going to be off speed. Oh, if nice. it's a fastball, step straight. Ah, cool. And we were supposed to, like, to let the batter know that we were stealing signs, we were supposed to, like, adjust our helmet. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. <laughs> that's clever. See, it, that's. I thought that's, so, too. That's the way it should be, right? That's That's all legit. Yeah. I think that's above board. I think that's sportsmanship. I think that's, you know, strategy, tactics, mm-hmm. all of the above. But when you when you resort to cheating, it's wrong. So here's the question then. Alex Cora has been tied now to both, well, I guess all three scandals, right? You, yeah. you consider the Apple Watch thing too. He he's involved in all three he is this the common denominator in this situation so the the people on social media this is what got my attention <laughs> i mean it got my attention anyway but i really perked up when i'm watching social media and all the baseball accounts i follow and different things just to see what the kind of pulse is on everything and and brad my question to you is what do you do to the guy who's involved with every single instance of cheating that's being investigated right now. Well, so let, let's let's go over that real quick first. So when he was with the Astros, he was the bench coach, and then yep. immediate, and that was the year they won the World Series in 2017. And then immediately after that, he got hired by the Red Sox as the manager. So yeah, rookie that, manager, yeah, yeah, rookie manager. So that is like systemic cheating, right? Is is it? <laughs> well, I mean it's. It's consistent with, you know, with what he was doing because that's how they were doing it in, in Houston. They were just using a trash can to relay the relay the, the information. But yep. a serial offender, I feel like, like you don't need to kick him out of baseball because it's not that bad, right? But it does have well, to be a lot harsh. of people. A lot of people th- are saying that. That's why I bring it up. I even asked my wife. I asked my wife. I said, Tiff, Alex Cora. You know him? She's like, yeah, I know who he is. I said, all right, he was involved in the he's the coaching staff, 2017, sign stealing. She said, wow, okay. I said, 2018, Boston Red Sox now sign stealing. Both world champions. What do you think you ought to do with this guy? And she's like, ban him. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> and she said to me, she's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, I don't think that should be off the table. Because if you are going to distort baseball that much, if you are going to, if you know what I mean, it's exploitative and it's wrong, and it's and it's so wrong, it's so it's heavy, heavy wrong. So my wife then brought up another good point that I think is interesting. She says, if you're not going to ban this guy from baseball, then Pete Rose deserves your attention. Well, now see, I I don't feel like that's necessarily that's apples and oranges to me. Because gambling is a whole different thing. Like he's yeah, not gambled that his team would win. Right. Yeah. No, and, and that's what I'm saying. Throw a game. He's not shaving points. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Is that if if he he could have gotten to a point where he's shaving shaving points of betting against his could've. team. Could have. He could have sure. gotten there. Right. It's a slippery slope. And I and I and I agree that it's apples and oranges. I just think that this is part of the larger conversation. If we're going to talk about such a heavy offense as cheating your way to the world series two years in a row. Right. And, and that's the thing that's, that's funny about it too. Right. Is that it's like, Oh, well they still got to hit the ball. And and they did, they did hit the ball. 
right? Agreed. But I, I think I think honestly, a season long ban for him is just is perfect because that's a long time for somebody. It's a lot of games, right? It's a long time. Yeah. But then I wouldn't be surprised, quite honestly, if we had more players coming out and be like, "Oh yeah, we did that when we were in um, St. Louis." Well, I wouldn't expect him to do it in St. Louis. Of course, we did it in Tampa Bay. We did it in New, in York. New York. We did it in Denver. You know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw if we heard guys coming out within the next few months saying that same thing. I don't know who's going to, but so to that point, Denise Cantu reported a tweet from Brendan Cootie, K U T Y. Um, and it, this is from the report that the athletic, you know, reported the athletic is always reporting everything first. So, um, it, the quote says, quote, as far back as 2015, the Yankees used to used the video replay room to learn other teams sign sequences. Multiple sources told the athletic other teams likely were doing the same sources said the Red Sox began doing it no later than 2016. So this implies that the Red Sox were doing it prior to Alex Cora. Mm-hmm. And to your point, other teams are doing it as well. Yeah. And I wonder if Alex Cora just has it down to a science, has it figured out. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what what the deal is there. But, but yeah, other other teams are doing this, and it could be just widespread across the league. And who knows, maybe Major League Baseball would be like, you know what? You abused it. Now it's gone. Right, we knew about it. We let it slide, and now we can't trust you. Yeah, yeah, kind of like you forced our hand. No, so yeah, it's it's obviously spread across the league, but but yeah, no, I I do feel like though that if you've got one guy who's tied to both, though, that there does need to be some kind of punishment for him. I agree. Yeah, it's yeah, and I don't think a lifetime ban is appropriate, but I do think you can attach the word ban. To whatever a punishment you give him, just shorten the the sentence, you know? Yeah, like a a one-season ban. One season, two seasons. You could do two seasons. In 2017, he's guilty. 2018, he's guilty. Go ahead, too. Got it? Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I I still just think two seasons is too harsh just for stealing signs. You know, maybe punish the organization because it sounds like the Astros themselves are going to get punished for this, too. They better. You know, take some money, maybe take some draft picks, whatever. Um and then it, what about AJ Hinch, who watched it all go down? Yeah, and you know, sus- suspend him for a season two, yeah. because he was obviously culpable. He knew what was going on. Maybe suspend the GM. Oh, I don't know. They, they knew what was going on, top to bottom. They they can't. Yeah. They can't plead innocent and uh, ignorant to this. And it's the same thing in Boston. No. You know, take away some draft picks, fine them pretty hefty. And then suspend the manager, suspend the GM, because, like we said, we know it's we, they knew what was going on. And then put it across Major League Baseball. Let that be a warning to you if you get yep. caught. You know, like you can yep. you can do the same old song and dance and the and the uh, evading testing or whatever, like with like with steroids and stuff. But if you get caught, the hammer will be brought down on you. Well, and that's the way it should be. So another piece of information I think people need to know is that Major League Baseball started posting a, a personnel in the video replay rooms during the postseason in 2018. Mm-hmm. There was a, somebody standing there to mitigate this very problem through the whole postseason 2018. So that does lend some credence to even though you know it's coming, you still got to hit the ball. That whole line of argument about you still have to be the best, you know, yeah. maybe they were the best. Yeah. And that, and I think they were. I'm. I mean, I'm. I made that point last week, but I think that you know this certainly muddies the water. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and makes it more complicated. But I do appreciate that they went on to win every win everything, despite having that at least that one tactic uh, disrupted. Now that doesn't mean there's not corruption among those people standing there in the rooms, and we can get into all kinds of ethics and possibilities and speculate all day long but Mm -hmm. um but it's just it's worth noting that they had people posted there to mitigate this very problem yeah and it's and it's also not to say that i mean even if they got people in there and then they've got somebody on the team who's in there watching you know if seeing if there's something that needs to be replayed you know that maybe they've worked out some other kind of system Mm -hmm. you know and and they do have and they do have ipads in the dugouts they're mount. I think yeah. I believe they're mounted above the above the helmets. 
I don't know. So it's not like they don't have access Some, to that video. Right. They can get whatever they want. And sometimes they're even on the back of the bench. Yeah. So you, there's still there's still plenty of access to to video and everything that you would want to see to uh, to steal signs if you, if that's how you're going to do it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting, and I don't know. I just it dri- it does drive me crazy though that and, and you know baseball is that is that one sport. I don't know every sport like this is, is like this. I guess, but. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. You're trying to gain every single advantage. You know, they they talk about they. I remember they used to talk to us about um, if you're playing infield, you know, cheat over this way a little bit. I'm not cheating. Yep. I'm just playing out of position. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. cheating. <laughs> yeah, but but every, do everything you can to to gain an advantage. And I guess if teams are willing to go that far, that 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 is where I would draw the line, though. You know, yeah. As far as that, but well, I think it just messes up with the, it messes with the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. The whole electronic thing messes with the integrity of the game, which is why there's a rule in place now. But I think that even though you take the line that if you're not cheating, you're not trying, which I have lived by, by the way, in mm-hmm. certain parts of my life. Oh, okay, yeah. I get it. I used to say that in um, uh, card games <laughs> to justify yeah. my behavior. <laughs> okay, so you're a better person than I am, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> So, so the point, (laughs) the point I'm trying to make is I get the mentality, but I think that at some level, somebody said, I don't know about this, right? Mm -hmm. Like this feels over the line and whether they brought it up or not, but I'm sure somebody somewhere felt that way and, you know, it just let it happen anyway, which is terrible, Mm -hmm. but that's where. I don't know, man. I just think I think that if you're a repeat offender and you now have been caught mm-hmm. and you're responsible for violating the integrity of the game, then I think the punishment deserves to be hefty. Yeah, I agree. It, sh- it should be hefty. I feel like one season is hefty enough. I don't know about a lifetime ban just because that, I mean, they weren't fixing games. They were gaining an unfair no. advantage. But Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think a lifetime ban makes any sense either. But again, you violate the integrity of the game, and that's what that's what happened in 1919. So what happened with Pete Rose, and there's lots of other examples. But it's true, and that's the steroids. That's are, violating the integrity of the game. That's just exactly it's exactly what it is. So so Major League Baseball has always been about the integrity of the game. That's what they preach, and now it's time for them to punish accordingly. That's the big thing, right? The guy who I've called the jellyfish because he has no spine and won't choose one way or another. <laughs> one way or another. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, like you've got this waffler, Brad. <laughs> and he's he's got to make a decision, though, right? I mean, yes, this whole thing with the Astros does, has been going on for so long. Like they can't still be investigating. And he keeps saying, oh, we're going to punish him. You better believe it. We're going to punish him. Okay, when? And from the guy who, again, Bloodsport, who headed up the investigation into Tony Bosch and Biogenesis, he sure isn't making any decisions on this. No. You know, that you think he would be more straightforward and more willing to, to make a decision on something, and he sure has not. Yeah, I'm pretty confused. Yeah. And I'm starting to get angry. Oh, I know. I seriously, I'm not kidding you. I check, like I refresh my my MLB news news feed on my app yeah. like 50 times a day. Because I'm like, just oh, what's new? waiting for the hammer to oh. drop. Yeah. Yeah, I just I'm just waiting for it. But nothing. Nothing comes yet. No. Me too. I don't get it and I think we should uh I don't know if we can stage a coup. Or overthrow the commissioner. (laughs) I think that for whatever reason, you know, if he doesn't do something soon, then we'll just put Bob Costas in there. Yeah, I think we. I think he would make a good commissioner. (laughs) I think so too. Based on yeah, baseball family, we are making some changes to the shop. The web address is shop.9plusus.com. We're working out some navigation kinks that we think are going to help make it easier to find your stuff so you can search for your specific team colors and uh, all the other designs as well 
and uh, we're trying to make that a little more user-friendly for you. So if you've had an issue with that in the past, don't worry, we're going to fix it. So anyway, go to shop.9plusus.com. Check out what we've got for you. Prices continue to fall. I know I keep saying that, but that's because it takes <laughs> it takes so freaking long. There's so much stuff there. To, yeah, it, that's a process. Yeah, I just went through everything the other day working on some stuff, and yeah, it, it's it's a lot, so it's going to take some time. Yeah, but don't worry. We're getting it. We're also planning our designs for the 2020 season, so be very, very excited. Oh, yeah, about, be very excited. About what's coming. So, anyway, hop on there, get yourself sun nice. I just put a new mug up there the other day with the Baseball Together podcast official logo um, in just this just ridiculously large design. It takes up the entire surface area of the mug almost, and it is just big and bold and just stupidly awesome. awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. I actually noticed <laughs> that the other night. I was like, whoa, that's awesome. So, yeah, go check yeah. it out. Go get your Baseball Together stuff. And you can also visit base- BaseballTogether.com where you can read about baseball. You can listen to the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Let us know what you think. You can submit to our mailbag. I've been including the link to the mailbag on the podcast description. Uh, you can also find it on the BaseballTogether.com episode page or on the VIP group. So search 9 Plus Us VIPs and we will add you to the group because we have a lot of fun conversation there. Yep. And baseball family, we will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.